Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome back to Bretton Cliffs Flea Circus. My name is Cliff and my co-host and good friend, is on the other side of the Heck camera. Charles. Yeah, huh? it's me. Who? Heck that Charles. Heck that Charles, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a good name, that. I like Heck that Charles as a name. Uh, I know. What was the other one that we used to have? It was definitely someone Farquhar. <laughs> yeah, Lord Farquhar. When I was a kid, I used to have a, an imaginary friend called Cushy Willow. I remember, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I <he> told us. <laughs> uh-huh. Don't know where I got that name from, it's a Cushy funny name, Willow. Isn't it? It is. I mean, I, I was only about four. Don't know where I got from. Probably real in it. I think Cushy, Cushy well, was a giant mole. Giant mole? I wasn't even uh-huh. a, like a human. No, no. I think it was a giant mole that I used to play play cards with. I don't think Did I had. Not? Don't think so. No, I no. don't think so. I just had real friends, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look at you. <laughs> sure enough. <laughs> Sure enough, we are real friends and everything, yeah, aren't you? I know. I know. Mm-hmm. So, what you what you been up to? Anything anything good? What have I been up to since last week? Uh, tried to fix this microphone, which I think has worked, but uh, let's yeah, see. it sounds better. All right, okay, it, it does. It sounds better. I think what I think happened was uh, the cat ran across the keyboard and changed the sentence. <laughs> 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 Is that what happened? Eh? Yeah, so I think it like it changed the input. I didn't realise. So anyway, I think we're uh, I think we're fixed. If we're not, I'll just yeah. sound silly at this point and and bad. Uh, no. So I think we're fixed. Um, so I did that. Well, so I've been up to. Mm-hmm. I played football again last night. That was quite good. Yeah. What happened there? Uh, scored a goal. Got a big lump on my leg because one of one of the lads is um, he's just a bit of a brute. Like we've kind is of he? we've decided that he is because he was all the lads were chatting before we started playing and mm-hmm. he said are we wearing shin pads and we were like fucking hell well obviously not like, <laughs> yeah so he, he got the reputation for being like a hard man before we'd even played uh-huh. and now i think right. he's just living up trying to live up to that like it's right. a running joke so uh-huh. you know, like he just he clobbered us just got me shin right but it was all right what what you should do is target him that's what you do with hard men you go for them so next game just target him and just give him a couple of target kicks. Him the, he'll he'll kick. soon stop. Oh, yeah. bit, I mean, 
I mean, he's a good friend of mine, but he's, uh, uh-huh. uh, it's fair to say he's stronger than us. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's why you've got to get a, a group around you to talk to him. <laughs> so that's not just you. <laughs> well, that's what you do. Our team won, so, you know, we got the last laugh. Well, there you go with that. Yeah, uh, the last it. thing I heard before I came outside to do this mm-hmm. um, was out my my wife. I don't know why I was stumbling over that. <laughs> Jane, <laughs> <laughs> Jane, telling uh-huh. I just said to Jane, oh, "How's it going?" She's had a couple of like a couple of phone calls with people that have been a bit arsy with her. Uh, mm-hmm. So I was like, "Oh, how's it going?" She was like, "Oh, yeah, it's annoying having to deal with those people, but never mind." She said it's a, mm-hmm. everybody's like too polite with people here. Like people are rude, but whereas in the UK, in England, you would go, just yeah. fuck off, man, will you? Like you can't yeah. do that. You can't do that here. People would report yeah. you to the police for swearing at them. Uh, so, uh-huh. so loads <laughs> of loads of things would be resolved here if a little bit of the just fuck off, man, will you? Like came into play, like yeah. bad driving, like rude behaviour and stuff like that. So anyway, uh-huh. she was good. Oh, just it's the type of thing that this is like, this is exactly what she said. Said it's the type of thing that in England you would just say, "Look, if you speak to us like that, I I will yeah. fight you. I will fight you." <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, "Oh, okay." And the baby was sitting, or she's standing there playing. Uh, we've got this little playpen thing that we trap her in now. Um, so she mm-hmm. was standing, peering over the edge of that looking at uh, what the rest of us are doing in our free lives. And uh, she said, um, I was saying, Pearl, keep it like, don't listen to your mom. You don't want to take after her, be a fighter. And uh-huh. Jane just started singing a song going, we punch them and we kick them. We punch them and we kick them. We kick <laughs> them in the face. We kick them in the face. And I'm like, this is not a song we need to be teaching the baby. <laughs> like, she's learning yep. stuff like, we kick them in the face. We punch them in the face. Uh, here come the English. Good parenting. <laughs> it is good parenting. Uh, <laughs> my dad works for DPD, and he was because I was out there. It was my mom's birthday last week. We went for a meal, which was uh, interesting. How? I'll tell you about that a little. Okay. Well, I'll tell you about that a little bit later. But my dad was telling us a story about this because uh, he works on the phones, mm-hmm. um, and so somebody's got a complaint with like parcel or whatever the, the ringy dad. And, uh, What's the complaints? <laughs> well, this is one of the complaints. Um, this posh woman rang him up and says, uh, your driver would not put the parcel through the letterbox. And my dad says, well, you know, you kind of put every parcel through the letterbox. He, it depends what it is. What was it? It was a crystal chandelier. We <laughs> had... <laughs> <laughs> Well, how's he meant to get that through the little box? And also, very breakable. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Uh, So so we went out for a meal for my mum's birthday. Should I name the the restaurant that we went to, do you think, Cliff? Because you're you're a foodie guy. You deal with this type of thing, should I? Well, I I don't know. I presume a bad story is going to (laughs) follow. A bad story is going to follow, yes. Well, say the name. And then if right. I think we need to doctor it, I'll uh-huh. uh, I'll do you something. You bleep it out. I'll put I'll put the name of I'll just put like Weatherspoons over the top of it or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like Weatherspoons. Don't don't replace it with Weatherspoons. <laughs> I like Weatherspoons. Anyway, it was a uh, a place called. 
Yeah, we would have known it as Port, as oh, it was okay. a, a pub that we used to frequent quite often. Okay, wasn't well, it? well, we all know we had some great times in Porters. This class, uh, the birthplace of the breakfast at Tiffany's dance. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, yes. It was the first place of that. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, we, we went there and um, it was, it, I mean, social distancing just went out the window. It, you would have imagined it was just Porter's still, even though it was a restaurant. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? There was like men coming from their table to try and chat up lasses and stuff like that. And it was too loud and it, was, it wasn't good. So, as soon as we sat down, is that what turned into a visa afterwards? Maybe, yeah. yeah. With the bongos in that. Remember the guys with the bongos? Yeah. Ah, it was that place. Uh-huh. Oh. So, so we sat down and we said, uh, right, you know, there's two separate families, so we need two separate bills. Oh, we can't do that. <laughs> what do you mean we can't do that? Oh, it just won't work. The computer won't have it. So we had like a <laughs> what, discussion you said about this at the that. beginning, though. Right at the beginning. Well, right? if you say it at the beginning, of course it can work. Of course, well, we knew that, so that's why I was saying what you're talking about. So uh, we'll order our food and stuff like that, and uh, they get one of the orders wrong, right? And they come over and they say, look, you didn't order that, you ordered this, I wrote it down. And I went to the guy, look, look, mate, we know what we've ordered, you've just wrote it down wrong. (laughs) (laughs) You walked off, and then one of my family heard him say, fucking cunts. So that's that's the type of uh, service that we received. In okay. Place. What happened after Absolutely that? Are you, we're not going to enjoy the night after that. Well, I was I was fuming after okay, that. Sure, obviously, yeah. I, I just want to get up and leave. But it was yeah, my yeah. birthday. Do you know what I mean? But she said, "Don't cause just... a scene, Brett." <laughs> I don't, no, me, mum was, if anything, encouraging okay. me anger. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, uh, so yeah, that's that's. So what do you think of that customer service, then, Cliff? I think that's terrible customer service. We should. Uh, <laughs> well, I think I might block out the name of the place, but if we say it, it used to be Porters and Shields, then whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. I think it was after one of our first ever trips to Newcastle on that bank holiday day. Do you remember that when we went in the old man's pub and stuff? Yeah. We didn't know where we were going or anything. It was, and I think I called Philip Schofield on the Metro on the way. <laughs> <laughs> I phoned the Empire. Dr. Yeah. Doolittle was on and I, fo- I, f- I phoned demanding to speak to Philip Schofield. <laughs> <laughs> Did you manage to get a stay speak with him? I did. did you I, think I, was saying, I think I was saying Russ Abbott would do. <laughs> <laughs> if I can't have Phil, I'll have Russ. <laughs> um, but anyway, on the way when we got back, we went to Porters and um, and we saw Peter Reed and Adrian Heath. I remember yeah. that. They were, uh-huh. they were both uh, Adrian Heath definitely was wearing a full length leather trench coat, like down to his. He ankles. was. He was. Yeah. <laughs> He was. I also saw Mickey Gray in there as well, and he jumped on me back when I was about 16 <laughs> after being in the pub. He was like on me back in that after he had scored a goal against Bradford. So, yeah, it was the place to be, Shields, man, wasn't Especially it? Especially when that thing, pub was shocking. Like it was, a, it was it just was, a dark warehouse with a sticky floor yeah. on it. Like. It was. It, well, I mean, a, a bit like Pizarre's was in Sunderland, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, I mean, very similar. was brilliant. 
Uh-huh. We had some the other thing I remember Potter's for was uh, was Bob coming out with like a few cracking lines like he used to do, like making mistakes and stuff. Is that, like that where he asked about uh, <laughs> Thomas Cook? <laughs> <laughs> that was that one, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the other one was uh, we were sitting on like a back seat and he, he was sitting somewhere else. What's it like up the back end, lads? <laughs> 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 he came up with a couple of stunkers like that. Oh, just what happened to, I can't remember what happened with Thomas Cook. Uh, Tino was telling Cook's, a story. Saw it in Thomas Cook's window or something, wasn't it? That's right, yeah. <laughs> Tino, our, our other friend, was telling a story about his uh, his brother who got uh, pissed and just decided to smash Thomas Cook's window. Oh, yeah. Who and the fuck one, is Thomas mate, Cook? Bob went, who, who the fuck's this Thomas Cook like? <laughs> <laughs> that he's a real person. Well, he might probably is a real person, isn't he? But he's not. He's not someone who just like lives down the road. <laughs> I remember one oh. more good Bob one was. Uh, <laughs> it was one of those nights where we were like, "Where should we go next?" And I think somebody went, "What about Club Tropicana? Drinks are free." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he was like, right. fucking hell, yes, lads, let's get there. <laughs> let's, let's go there. <laughs> I remember that one. Bob's a superstar, man. He's brilliant, Bob. Legend, absolute Bob. legend. He is. He is. <laughs> I watched that thing that you did, told us to watch anyway. The, um, the Christopher the, Jeffries thing. The Lost Honor of Christopher Jeffries. Yeah, yeah, what it was brilliant. Think? It's great, isn't it? I thought it was excellent. Oh, yeah, I, th- I thought it was really, really good. It's it was shocking, the, like, what yeah, they did. Yeah, it's one of the best dramas, like TV dramas of, like, the last 10 years or something for me. And oh, what do you think of his performance? Because that was how we got onto it. I said that was yes, the only thing that talk- kind of stood up to that Toby I, Jones I performance. Yeah, I can, I can, I can definitely see where you're coming from with that. I thought, he, I thought he was brilliant. Jason Watkins, isn't it? Yeah, I thought brilliant. he was absolutely class. I, I, I even watched a little documentary afterwards to see, like, you know, if he was similar to the guy, and <laughs> he just like him to a T. He was it? just he was him, exactly the same. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, so that was mm-hmm. on ITV on Monday night at nine o'clock. It was on Monday. And- Tuesday, yeah, so I thought it was in two parts, but it'll be on like the catch up thing if anybody's up. interested. In yeah, watching. I definitely recommend people checking out because I honestly I thought that was great. Um, it was, and I don't think I'd brilliant. really seen Jason Watkins in anything else before. Or he's one of those guys that you might not notice, but he's been in yeah, loads of stuff. So. Then you start noticing him and things, and he is uh-huh. he's excellent, he's really, really good. Uh-huh. Uh, he is, he's brilliant. Now, I really enjoyed it. Um, so after that, I watched that quiz. Which is about the the major oh, who cheated yeah. on. Uh, I was going to watch that, but I've never got millionaire. Rendered. Well, it was interesting. It well, it was interesting. I thought I thought of advise you to watch if you're interested in that type of thing. I know you are. I'm, I'm really interested like, in uh, cheating on national game shows. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing, isn't it? <laughs> I, I like stuff like that, mate. Normally, I don't mind uh, people who try and swindle, like you know, millionaires or whatever, you know. Like I just thought this was good. Yeah, I just the these this couple was just that's what makes it, isn't it? Like the major uh-huh. and his wife. Like uh-huh. that's what makes it. Not yeah. like if it was like me or you, we'd probably mm-hmm. be like people's heroes. Would be, would be, I mean, they, I would be in prison. I don't want to spoil the ending. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, it was interesting because it, it it sort of showed you how they the, like devised the game show in the first place and how they would try to put off the contestants and make okay. it intimidating for the contestants and stuff like that. Uh, and there was also like this network of people who were trying to 
break the system and okay. various ways of getting on the show. So it, it, it was good. Who yeah, uh, uh, who played Chris the Piss? Uh, it was uh, Michael Sheen, who's brilliant. Oh, is it? Isn't it? Okay. Yeah. I like Michael Sheen. Uh, <laughs> see, oh, he's brilliant, especially he's, uh, Brian Clough and that. I'd love to see him play somebody that isn't a real person. Yeah. I'm sure there are rules where he doesn't play a real person, but they obviously there don't is. get the acclaim as Brian Clough uh-huh. or, or whatever, you know? He's always yeah, like he's a, a... character, doesn't he? life kind of thing. But mm-hmm. he is good. He is good. He is brilliant, yeah. I have, I have one question. Well, I have one question at the start for you, Cliff, anyway. Okay. It's a, it's a simple yes or no answer, right? Okay. So you, you can't uh, you can't go into too much detail. Do you, Cliff, believe that an item of clothing could be evil? Simple yes or no? Yes. You do? Yes. Right. Well, for the sake of, like... The next, the follow-up question, let's pretend that you said no. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) So I'll ask it again and say no. Maybe I'll think about it a bit more. Right, go on then. So do you think that an item of clothing, Cliff, can be evil? No, of course not, man. That's stupid. Why would an item of clothing be evil? Stupid question. Right, yeah. Well, I'll get on to my follow-up question then. Would you wear Hitler's jacket? <laughs> Has it been washed? <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't matter. So what, have, where have I got it? Have I got it like in a, in a flea market or one of, the, one of those second-hand shops Some, or something? Someone said to you, here's Hitler's jacket. Try it on, my See what you look like. See what you look like, exactly. See... You start like an Alsatians. I'll try it on. You try it on. I would try would it you? on, yeah. Would you would you not feel like you would be possessed by Hitler's very soul? Well no, because I've just said evil might jump idea. into you. Nah, I would put it on. <laughs> Fair enough. Who is Simple like, question. If you go boss in it, I'd probably try and sell it on eBay. <laughs> what we're meant to be talking about this week. Um, which is <laughs> Quadrophenia. Quadrophenia, yes, we're going to talk about that this yeah. week, aren't we? The 1979 uh-huh. Frank Rodham directorial mm-hmm. debut of Frank, I think. Um, yes, it is. Based on The Who's 1973 album of the same name. That's right, and yeah. And exec produced by The Who um, yeah. as well. And uh-huh. starring fucking just pictures. Look at the screen and pick someone out. Bloody yeah, hell. Pick... <laughs> <laughs> anybody Every, you like, innit? Anybody that pops up, you're like, oh, fuck, that's that from Aye. whatever. Like, so, Jesus, so look. I... There's way enough Alvinas in, pet. No, you know, the only person that you can't do that with is uh-huh. Phil Daniels. <laughs> you know what I mean? That is true. Oh, yeah, no. Other than Park Life. Like, uh-huh. I think he. We'll get into it a bit more, I'm sure. But his career yeah. must have suffered by just being pigeonholed as Jimmy from Quadrophenia because yeah. everybody else in this cast has gone mm-hmm. on, some to be massive, some to do have very long careers in TV and film and stuff like that. Maybe not superstars. Uh-huh. Some people were, mm-hmm. or stars anyway. But mm-hmm. Phil Daniels, until Park Life came around, like now he's just, now he's Park Life man, but probably for the like 15 years. Before that, he was Quadrophenia, man. Yeah. 
I, 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 I watched a documentary about it, and uh, he was warned before taking the part because he was only 19. Yeah, so I, I, mean, I read this. Yeah, it's, it's amazing that he was only 19. And, I mean, he is brilliant in this film, isn't incredible. he? He's, uh, absolutely he is, incredible. He's absolutely class. And nobody can take that away from But he was kind of warned that, you know, it, because it was like a genre-defining sort of film, that he would be pigeonholed and everybody would remember him as that character. Mm. And he's, he, I think he's had a deal with that, you know what I mean? And yeah. I still think he's had, a, you know, quite a long career and a, a good career, jobs, hasn't he? You know, I'm not, obviously not knocking that, but... Uh, oh, no, no. He's... But I know what you're saying. You're saying is that everybody sees him as Jimmy and I, I, I think, you know, he recognises that, I think, for sure. But it's one of those, if you're going to be in a brilliant film and you're going to be the main character... I mean, it's more people than most people get. Yeah, it's exactly. more than most people get. Like, of course so, it is. I guess you, yeah. you, would, you would take it. I think if you were starting out as an actor and somebody uh-huh. said, the first film you're in is going to be massive and everyone's yeah. going to remember you for that film for the rest of your life, you're not going to go, uh-huh. actually, I'll, I'll pass and I'd rather yeah, do something. I'd rather be known as a character actor and play like, you know, number two in mm-hmm. loads of films. I think you'd take it. I think you'd take it. Yeah, that's anyway, true. we'll re- rewind a little bit. Um, uh-huh. So, when was the first time you saw Quadrophenia? Uh, I would have been, I would have thought I would have been about 15, I think. Okay. Um, it would have been um, after sort of getting into Oasis and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And I don't think Oasis get a lot of credit for doing this, but they did sort of get a lot of the younger population onto these type of bands by mm-hmm. bigging them up. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They certainly did. They certainly put me onto, you know, loads of different bands. Same with even even sort of, you know, up-and-coming bands at the time, like the Chemical Brothers and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I, I wouldn't have necessarily listened to the Chemical Brothers if I hadn't been for that, you know, that Noel Gallagher single that they did with them, mm-hmm. so... I think that's where it came from. Uh, and the other interesting thing for me is this film, it's very similar to what was happening where me and you were teenagers. Yeah. There was like a, a, a kind of movement with the music that was going on, which do you think uh-huh. that that would happen again? It certainly doesn't look like it's going to, does it? I mean, it's hard for me it, being out here now, but I, I think because there's not a kind of like youth culture and there's no youth uh-huh. drinking and being out and or, and mu- there's not really a music scene to talk of. But I think from what I can tell and, you know, all you need is one band to change it and light you a spark and something right, yeah. happens. It might happen. Uh-huh. You know, there's been sparks of it every 10, uh-huh. 15 years or something like that. But nothing quite, in my opinion, nothing quite as big as that. Mid-90s. The last time was Oasis, wasn't it? I mean, the, the, uh, people's hair changed. Yeah. The, the clothes that the wore changed. The attitudes to a certain extent, certainly to me and you or whatever, changed, uh-huh. didn't it? It was what like, do you massive, think like about... a cultural movement. Okay, so we grew up through that. We bought into uh-huh. it at the time. We loved Oasis. We started going and checking out all of these bands that Oasis talked about. And a lot of that basically ends up in you're listening a lot I love Oasis and we like they were a huge part of us growing up. Don't listen to them a lot anymore, I have to admit. Um, but probably they introduced us to music that I've ended up listening to for the rest of my life, even if I don't listen to them that much anymore. Yeah. Um, well, I still do. I still listen to Oasis. I still love them. And 
I mean, it was it was an awful sort of thing that happened, the, the Manchester bombings and stuff like that. But I, I think by that, you did see like the effect that the have had, even on, you know, the, the sort of generation after us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, think so, I mean, yeah. there, there was like a, that spontaneous sort of singing of uh, Don't Look Back in Anger and all yeah. that kind of stuff, wasn't it? I mean, that kind of thing, you, you kind of, you know, it comes out of nowhere, doesn't it? Yep, yep. But I think, like, to answer your question, is fucking a K-pop band going to change the way every 15-year-old in England dresses and looks? Well, no. No. I always used to fancy myself as a bit of a mod, even though I didn't really Uh dress like it or have a scooter or any of that kind of stuff. But I did used to love the Mm -hmm. music, and I did used to kind of like that kind of thing. But what do you think of uh, all of those fellas that do? Walk around with their Paul Weller haircut at like forty-five and all of that kind of stuff. I, I, I think they're great. <laughs> I, I do. I mean, they're, they're, they're still sort of living that lifestyle, aren't they? And and, and that's their choice. They're influenced heavily by that type of music, mm-hmm. and I don't think that there's there's anything wrong with that at all. You, you don't right. see many punks walking around anymore, do you? But you do see mods, though, don't you? I mean, you yeah, see yeah. quite a lot of them. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's because that type of music sort of, well, it's endured, the isn't it? clothes are better what... and the music's better, that's why. And the, and the <laughs> yeah. hair's better. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with I don't think there's out wrong with that, me. Obviously, you do. No, but no, I don't. My problem with it is I think it's been co-opted a little bit into the kind of uh, hooligan and what would be a soccer casual kind of thing in the 80s. Uh-huh. I think yeah. it's evolved now. And it's actually one of the reasons I stopped going to football uh, to watch really? Sutherland. Yeah, really? it is. It is, yeah. Because I was sick of standing around like wannabe hooligans who all thought they were, I don't know, because they'd seen fucking Bradley you Williams with a haircut or something. And it was like, it, it, it's honestly one of the reasons I stopped going to football. I was sick of seeing... Mm-hmm. These kind of kids or whoever co-opting that style and that look. To See, kind very of... rarely I saw I saw violence or, or hooliganism. At, at no, a match. every now no, and not, then I would. Not, if it was a derby or whatever. No, not a fight. That's not what I'm saying. I'm, I'm saying they want to be hooligans. They just want to sing fucking racist and sexist and homophobic songs and have a little bit of you know try and intimidate people next to them. They're all young kids. Or, mm-hmm. you know, like who just want to seem hard. And it really pissed us off that this thing that I really loved was kind of being co-opted for that. And also it was spoiling me enjoyment. And I say <laughs> enjoyment in very fucking limited terms when we're talking about going to watch <laughs> Sunderland. Yeah. It was spoiling what little enjoyment I had of going to watch the football. Like, mm-hmm. so I think my entire opinion of, the mod movement has been tainted a little bit by that because I think it's become something that it wasn't. And I also think the same with like people who, you know, I think it's kind of died out a bit now, but mm-hmm. had like the Oasis mm-hmm. kind of haircut and the clothes and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Because when we were teenagers, if you saw somebody who looked like that or dressed like that, we would be like, oh, they must like good music or, you know, we're, yeah. We're probably all right. You'd give them a little like fucking wink or whatever in the bar and go, they must be all right. Mm-hmm. They know they know the crack. But mm-hmm. then it got to a point where, and I'm going to blame the killers for this, 
it got a point where indie music became massive and went into the mainstream. And I think Mr. Brightside by The Killers is the exact point where this happened. And, mm-hmm. and I love that song and I like The Killers, but I think indie music kind of tipped over into the mainstream, which is great for the bands because they make more money and, you know, and all of that kind of stuff. But uh-huh. I think that little thing that we loved and that was ours and other people's mm-hmm. just kind of, it wasn't ours anymore. And after a time, yeah. you could walk along the street and see like a, a guy who looked like fucking Liam Gallagher or dressed like Liam Gallagher or Paul Weller or whatever. And he might be a total cunt. In fact, he probably was. And I think originally you would think, Oh, he knows what's going on. It turned into yeah. something that kind of was a little bit like, oh, well, actually, I'd rather not be associated with this anymore. Yeah. And genuinely, I think that's what Quadrophenia is about. Well, it's interesting because I, I have completely, I mean, that, that's your experience with it and, and stuff. I've got a completely different experience. I've only ever heard, I'm a Sutherland fan, both Sutherland fans. I've only ever heard racism at a match that I can remember once going to watch Sutherland. Okay. And that was, that, was, that was in the formal end. But it was once. It was like okay. a, an isolated sort of thing. The other thing that where you're talking about, like kind of, you know, football violence and stuff like that. The only time I've ever, and I, I, if anybody is a fan of these clubs or whatever, it's, it's no, you know, I'm not saying that these clubs are, you know, like that. Or it's just the only time that I've ever experienced it has been in... FA Cup matches against West Ham, West Ham. <laughs> uh, in the in the early nineties because yeah. what Sullen had a good run in the in the cup in, yeah. in the early nineties. Frank McAvenny was playing. <laughs> I, I'm not too sure who was playing actually. I'll have to have a look. Chelsea, yeah, and I, I have experienced. Well, I have since experienced a little bit of that with me taking me son. Uh, to the match as well, okay. and there was a couple of like you know the, the dodgy Chelsea fans or whatever sort of trying to cause trouble. You, they were there to try and cause trouble. Yeah. So it, it's only those clubs really that I can remember ever okay. having. I mean, but that's a different. I think the the culture, eight, sort of eighties, late eighties, and sort of early nineties, or whatever. I know that you know the, the, the sort of clothes were were very very similar. I'm um, not talking about I don't, that. Though. No, no, but the, like the, the attitudes and stuff like that were similar. But I, I've never, I've never sort of been to a gig or an Oasis gig or whatever, and and I've never felt sort of threatened or, or threatened by the way that somebody looks. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I think football violence or fo- the way that football was, I think it's separate. From the music, that's just what I think. Because I've had different experiences to you. I, mean, I just, I, I just thought I was going to the match, and there's just a lot mm-hmm. of little knobheads who are wannabe hooligans, who are suddenly wearing, got the kind of mod-like haircuts, wearing a fucking uh-huh. Fred Perry top or whatever, and they uh-huh. think they're hard. And the look, I'm talking about in the 2000s. I'm not saying there was. Yeah. I'm not saying there was violence ever erupted because they're just little fucking knobs, but yeah. they're, they're unpleasant to be around. And yeah. I, for me, they were kind of looking and dressing like they were the same kind of thing that I'm into, but they but mm-hmm. they obviously weren't. They were they were yeah. just little knobheads that I saw that look and decided to use it 
and then yeah. they become a little tribe and mm -hmm. then you know they're just not pleasant people and it kind of sp it spoiled that kind of aesthetic for me i'm not uh -huh. saying there was violence uh -huh. i'm just saying it kind of there was just a there was a period where just people seem to start dressing like that, that I don't think uh -huh. we're getting into it for the reasons that me and you would have got yeah. into it back in yeah. the day. And, uh -huh. and I think it's nothing to do with being a mod or anything like that. I, I, I'm saying these people aren't, but they dress and, yeah. and look like it. And, uh -huh. and I think what happened was that that just permeated society in a whole, like, look what happens now. People, yeah. have, it's, we're living a much more obviously like racist or homophobic or sexist in mm -hmm. a society or people feel like they can be that a lot more freely than they could before and I yeah. feel that it's because of the killers that's <laughs> <laughs> it blame the killers it's for all this shit Brandon flowers. no uh, I'd, and, look, and I'd... the shit lyrics <laughs> no no I, I mean you're, what, you're, what you're talking about is your experience yeah with uh, and, no, and nobody can sort of say, "Well, Cliff, no, you, you're wrong," because that's your experience of it, and, and yeah. my experiences were, were different. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, of course. No, nobody can say you're wrong. Nobody can say, "Do you know?" What I mean, that, that, that they're just that, that's not going to work, is it? Because that's your experience with it. Yeah. So, I mean, it's an interesting take as to to what you're saying. Thank you. And how you? It is. It is interesting. <laughs> No, no. Quadrophenia. Do you think it's a good film or not? <laughs> I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I, I, I think I, I actually enjoyed it more watching it as an older yeah. person than Same I did here. when I was fifteen. Same here. I watched it uh, at the weekend, and uh, the first time I think I first probably saw it when I was about eighteen, maybe. Yes. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, I got the VHS from HMV. <laughs> I would have thought probably when I was at university, and. Um, I don't know whether I was just pissed at the time when I watched it, but I couldn't really remember it as much as I watched when I watched it again the other day. Mm -hmm. And maybe, like you say, it comes with a little bit of experience of like and being a bit older yeah. and paying a bit more attention. But mm -hmm. I thought it was fucking amazing. I remember at the time thinking, yes. I know I should like this, so I'm going to yeah. say I like it, but I'm not really sure that it's as About good as it. people say it is. But now yeah, yeah. I thought... Fucking hell, that is an amazing film. I, I, I really, really loved it. Much more than I thought I would. Yeah, I did too. I, I mean, I, I related to the, the character Jimmy quite a lot, I think, because I was a little bit more like him than I care to remember. I think with, with Jimmy, I mean, the bit where he's, he's sort of, you know, pill-popping or whatever, and uh, at least he's going to work in the morning. He's just spewing up in the toilets. I mean, how many times I oh, would it work like that? It's just I, I, I don't get it. Flies. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I, and and sort of all the adults, because um, I had a, a, a quite a decent job when I was about eighteen, nineteen. Mm. But I was working with obviously adults, and I, I remember sitting with them, and they're talking about the houses, and they're yeah. talking about the mortgages, and I did, and they kept saying to us, "Well, Brett, why don't you join in the conversation?" And I remember losing my temper and going, I haven't got a fucking clue what he's at all. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think that's, they, a, they that's... Were a different race almost yeah. to us. They were just completely yeah. because of the age difference. And I think that's, that's... a difference, right? You went straight into work. So much like uh -huh. Jimmy in this film, you mm -hmm. were working in an adult job 
to get some cash for the weekend and go out and enjoy yourself. Like obviously yeah. I, was, I was at college and I was at uni and mm-hmm. you went straight into work. So yeah. you were thrust into that kind of adult world like a lot mm-hmm. earlier than I was. I mean, I remember when I first started having a, I mean, I, I used to take the piss when I was working on my part-time jobs while I was at college and uni and stuff. But I remember mm-hmm. that when I first started work after university, thinking oh shit i can't maybe i can't like roll in at 5 a.m anymore and then come to work because i'm i'm going to whitey at this like fucking massive meeting <laughs> that yeah. i'm in like and, yeah. and it's, yeah. it's seemingly important but i think there was more depraved people than me where i first worked so <laughs> it was all right <laughs> so it was accepted yeah, yeah. It, it, it's a weird situation i mean it made us think as a parent what it's going to be like for for my sons and when they when they go to work you know it's going to be so weird for them and that, they're not going to necessarily relate to some 30 year old guy or whatever talking about his mortgage i mean there was always this uh, an older person or, or somebody that you know had similar sort of interests or whatever to you and you you sort of you got on with that yeah. but it's such a weird situation to be sort of thrust into yeah i mean especially with jimmy because he is He's all about this lifestyle, isn't he? Yeah. He's, 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 everything's about bought into it. Massive. He's bought into it completely. I mean, that is everything to Jimmy, isn't it? I mean, the music and the, the fashion and the scooters, yeah. everything. I mean, if, and if that doesn't work out, he's he sort of invested everything yeah. in that, hasn't and, he? Uh, and that's his kind of un, undoing, isn't it? Um, Definitely. So just to briefly talk through the what the film's about, Jimmy... A young mod. Mm-hmm. He works yeah. as a in the mailroom of a of a stuffy company. Um, and he's like the lowest rung on the ladder. Doesn't know, like you say, he's got nothing in common with anybody he works with. Uh, the the people like kind of turn their noses up at him when he's when uh-huh. he's turning up and handing them the mail. He yeah. he's not taking it very seriously. He fucks it up all the time. He's he's frequently hungover or you know like suffering the next day when he turns up. Um, uh-huh. And it. All he's got in his life is being a mod, having uh-huh. fun, focusing yeah. on music, parties, getting to uh-huh. Brighton to have a dust up with rockers and copping off with, is it Sarah, who's played by Leslie Ash? It's uh, called Sarah? I don't think she's called Sarah. Liz? Okay. I'm just going to say women's names. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, doesn't matter. Sure it. <laughs> it's Leslie Ash, and a, Leslie a, a Ash. rather, rather pretty Leslie Ash as well. Before. Yeah, she's only seventeen in this, isn't she? So she's seventeen. Phil uh-huh. Daniels plays Jimmy. He's nineteen. He's mm-hmm. got a big bunch, extended bunch of mates. He's yep. got his eye on Leslie Ash, but she's seeing who's probably like the smoothest man out of all of the guys that they know. Um, he's <laughs> yeah. a little bit more sophisticated than basically all the Jimmy and his mates are oiks really, aren't they? Like the proper unsophisticated. Yeah, he seems a bit older, doesn't he? The guy that day. Yeah, he looks older. Be. He seems a bit older, but apparently they're all yeah. the same age. So mm-hmm. he's just got his focus on Steph. being Steph, being the best yeah. mod he can be and winning yeah. Steph and going mm-hmm. to Brighton and having a dust up with some rockers. But while that's going on, his life's kind of his personal life because he still lives at home with his parents. Steph actually doesn't want to be with him, so he's trying to win her and all that stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, he's he's not enjoying work. He's out of place. So 
combining his like night life with his with his actual life is mm-hmm. really unraveling him and he can't put the two together. And this film is yeah. really about the torment of uh-huh. wanting to grow up and be something. Mm-hmm. But in this in this occasion, what he puts all of his beliefs and everything in probably lets uh-huh. him down in the end. And it's about well, it does. That. Yeah, you're right. I mean, he's he's only serious about two things, isn't he? He's serious about being a mod, and he's serious about Steph. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And a even bit, that, uh, obviously, uh, a teenage fucking infatuation. Well, you, you, know? you, you do it. I mean, as a teenager, you do things like that, though, don't you? You certainly do. And, and, I mean, Absolutely. like I say, we did with the, the Oasis stuff and, and things like that. I mean, if, if there was somebody who, I don't know, was saw on the streets and they had a, a blur top on or whatever, we'd tell them to fuck off, wouldn't we? <laughs> we would. Yeah. We, we would do shit like that. Yeah. I mean, it's a similar thing with like the, the mods and the rockers and, and stuff like that, isn't it? I mean, even, even though, I mean, they're all great songs, all fantastic. It, it's almost like the old and the new, isn't it? And and obviously the rockers are in all the, the old motorbikes and the leather gear and stuff like that. And the mods are in the more modern pop music of the time, you know, the who and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And the scooters that they're getting from Italy and things. And it's it's just like a, a culture clash, isn't it? Two sort yeah. of these groups sort of it's the old and the new. Sort we should of probably wrestling. probably say that like it's the music that they play in the film is essential. So it's based on the Who's album, mm-hmm. the Who made an album in nineteen seventy three called Quadrophenia. Pete Townsend wrote it, and it's about um, Jimmy. So basically, this film is based on the, on based the concept on the of an album. So the the, yeah. theme, the the theme of the story that runs through these however many songs on the album is what the film's about. Yeah. To me, the film outstrips the album by a million times. Um, <laughs> and I think the music's by The Who is the weakest part of, of the film. <laughs> and, uh, um, yeah. And I, I, like, I mean... Uh... I think it fits though, obviously because it's based on that particular album. But I did listen to the the album last night after watching the film, and I certainly enjoyed the, the film more than that. The I'd album. never listened to the album before. I mean, I, I so I did a poll on Twitter saying, "Is are the Who good or bad?" Yeah, <laughs> because I think they're <laughs> yeah. quite polarizing. And for me, uh-huh. I think some of them are really good, and some of it is really yeah. bad. Um, do, do you know what I think? Do you know you know that Alan Parker's thing where he, he goes up to him and he says, well, what's your favourite Beatles album? And he goes, I'd have to say the best of yeah. the Beatles. I think yeah. that, for me, that's that's the who. Yeah, because know I mean? they're a great singles band. Do you know when they're in yeah. the early, six, mid-60s to late-60s, they're a great singles band? You can't uh-huh. knock any of their singles. No, no, they're brilliant. Um, but... I mean, I don't I, think I've sat and listened to a, a Who album though. Well, I've got the only album I've ever bought by the Who is Who's Next. Um, uh-huh. I haven't got Quadrophenia. In fact, I've never heard it before. I do have a box set of of the Who, and I've been to see them live yeah. um, in about nineteen ninety nine or something like that. I went to see them, uh, mm-hmm. and. You know, like I love the I love the mod songs. I love Substitute and My Generation mm-hmm. and all of that stuff. 
yeah, as it gets towards too. the late 60s and early 70s, I'm less bothered about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd never got Quadrophenia, the album, like I say, which is 1973. I think Who's Next is 75. I think yeah. Who's Next is a good album. And I haven't got anything else after that. But fucking, honestly, I think the album Quadrophenia is awful. I like two songs two songs on it. A couple of them I think are okay, but I think yeah, it's yeah. awful. And because I'd never listened to it or realized what that story is meant to be on the album, I watched mm-hmm. Quadrophenia, the film, just as a film. So I'd never thought about the name Quadrophenia or what it meant. Uh-huh. What do you, did you yeah. ever think about it or put anything together with that? Well, if I'm being perfectly honest, the first time that I watched Quadrophenia when I was a teenager, I had no idea that the album was 1973 and the film was 1979. Okay. I, I thought that it was just the film and the who would just wrote the music for the father, film. Yeah. Yeah, because there is a soundtrack that go along with it, which is better than the album, in my opinion, because it has other people's songs on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're not besmirching the Who because we we'll love the Who. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, we do. I love the Who. I yeah, I do. Great. Like I said, I've seen them. I've got a box set. I've got. Fucking, yeah. I listen to the songs, but I think they're a hard band to love unless you're really obsessed with them. I don't think yeah. the casual person loves the Who. They'll know uh-huh. my generation and they'll know a few yeah. songs. And they'll Boris know... the Spider. Boris the Spider. <laughs> <laughs> Which Bro, is we, used to, we used to ask for that in the pub all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can you put Boris the Spider on, please? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I, 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 do, I do love the Who, but I think that, I mean, there'll, there'll be a lot of people listening to this who are, Fans of the Who, yeah, absolutely, and who know more about it than us. Shut up, you know what he's talking about, and that, and that's fair enough, isn't it? Well, this is just our opinion. But if if I was to listen to the Who, I'd get the greatest hits out. If I was to listen to the Beatles, I'd pick an album. Yeah, I think that's the difference. Yeah, I think for me, they're about on those like British pop rock bands of the sixties. And I mean, they're up there with them for sure. I mean, they're in the top five, but probably. But they're, oh, they're, yeah. they're fifth uh-huh. for me. But mm-hmm. I, I prefer the Beatles, obviously. I prefer mm-hmm. the Kinks. I prefer the Small Faces. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're fourth. Hold on, this one oh. might have been a little bit different. If, if they had a cast in the lead role, who they want to cast? Do you know who they want to cast? Yeah, but I don't get it. Johnny Rotten, I don't get it. I mean, he's the opposite yeah. of a mod, isn't he? Completely. Which I, I mean, I, mean I, I applaud Frank Rodham for thinking about that, but uh-huh. I, I cannot imagine him. He no, doesn't he look like a mod. You. Even if he had a mod, I can't imagine him with a mod haircut, uh, yeah. but I can't imagine him being that. Um, mm-hmm. I'd like to see, I'd like to see it, I think. But <laughs> I can't imagine him, you know, if there was like, yeah. some, there might be some footage of a screen test or something. We don't do uh, yeah, that much maybe. research, but um, I don't think you can take any anything away from uh, Phil Daniels. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a it, it's a masterful performance from him. Like nineteen, so, and he's brilliant. So the thing exactly. with the if you start looking into what the overall concept of Quadrophenia is about, it's about a young mod who has got four personalities, hence Quadrophenia. Right, personalities that come out of the music. No, me neither. So I've watched the film thinking, all right, I've never had a second thought about why it's called Quadrophenia. Like, obviously, I know quad yeah. means four. Never had a yeah. single thought about it. Um, and I thought, actually, when I was watching the film last weekend, I th- 
people keep saying to him, you're schizophrenic. You're schizophrenic. Aye, that's right, aye. And I kept thinking, uh-huh. why do they keep saying that? He's just like, aye. he's just a, a young lad that's got, he's got a balance being a son, working, uh-huh. being an out there party animal mod and trying to be uh-huh. a boyfriend or, or a, you know, somebody who wants a girlfriend. So and the drugs and the drugs take take that toll on them, don't they? Towards so, the end, absolutely. So I I never really thought it was anything about. So Quadrophenia is actually meant to be like the person in, Jimmy in the original album is meant to be the en- uh-huh. perfect encapsulation of all four members of the Who. The all Wild right. Man Keith Keith uh-huh. Moon Keith Who I almost uh-huh. said. Um, <laughs> I the Optimist Roger Daltrey. The uh, the thinker, uh, the smooth one, John Elkwistle, and the like, uh-huh. the hypocrite, like uh, liar is meant to be Pete uh-huh. Townsend. Which is, you know, to be fair, like Pete Townsend, I think is massively pretentious, but at least he's cast himself uh-huh. as the worst character trait in those four. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't realise. No, that. I didn't either. <laughs> like I watched the film and take it on its own merits and think mm-hmm. it's. It feels like a ni- early 1960s kitchen sink drama, which I think is where Frank Rodder really, and, uh, uh, and the director of uh, photography of, um, comes into play. Uh-huh. Like, I think what they've done is they've taken a story about the mid-60s, filmed it in the late 70s, um, so they've yeah. made it feel like a mid-60s British kitchen sink drama. You know, like Saturday night, Sunday morning. Like, Jimmy is like that. He's like Albert Finney. He's, mm-hmm. you know, in, in all of that kind of stuff. And I think, yeah. that's, I think that's really, really clever by Frank Rodham and the director of photography, who went on... You, you read about this guy? He's, what he, he went on? Train spotting and stuff. And yeah, he's Danny like Boyle's, yeah. like... He's his go-to man, so he's went on to do all yeah. of his stuff, which, I mean, you can't uh-huh. get more kind of... British working uh-huh. class iconic kind of thing than being a, the guy who's yeah, doing yeah. that. Um, mm-hmm. And this is Frank Rodham's first film, and he's, it he's is. doing an amazing job. It's like a neo-realist kind of film. It feels like a mm-hmm. '70s, uh, like Italian realism film, or, or an early '60s kitchen sink drama from the UK. Like yeah. I, I think it looks and feels amazing. It almost yeah, great. You feel Completely. like you're in it. I think I think you feel like you're in it. It doesn't feel mm-hmm. like you're watching a film. It, it really like feels that, real. It's that doc. Well, Frank Rodham is a documentary maker. Or he uh-huh. was before this film, wasn't he? So I think it's like the movement of the camera, and it's always moving, and it, it's fast paced, and and I think that's where it makes you feel like you're actually in the film. I mean, and it's, it's, it's so no fast. surprise. It rushes yeah, yeah, along. It, does I mean it's no surprise that I mean how many episodes is this that we've done? We've done two Frank Rodham things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He knows what he's doing. He, he, I think he's the only person that we've done two things on, and we've still got Alfie and Pet to go, haven't we? Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, a massive influence I think on on the stuff that that we like and we watch is is Frank Rodham. I think he's I think he's absolutely class. I think he's brilliant. And, and the way that the film flows and stuff like you've just, I just said think it's, it's great. so fast. It right? whistles over like there's no dead air and the amount of nah. stuff they get through and the amount of turmoil Jimmy goes through in the course of an hour and a half or whatever is incredible. Not, so not only that, I mean ten minutes in you know exactly where you are. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You, you know you know all about the mods, you know all about the rutlers. I mean the bit where they're in the bath and stuff like that, and that is absolutely amazing. You know the conflict of those two 
different groups straight away just from that one little and, scene, don't you? And the kind of pettiness of it. So this uh, is probably yeah, yeah. my favourite moment in the film, or one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's like, they're in a public baths. That's right, yeah. Jimmy's in one, and behind the next wall, there's another guy, and turns out he's a rocker. So he's a modern mm-hmm. rocker, and he starts singing my generation. He's not singing that, but he's singing... Uh, uh, Kings, I think. Yeah, I, think it's he's, the Kinks. I think he's like, oh, you really got me going. Yeah, that's and, right, yeah. Uh, in the, on the other side, you've got, and it's Ray Winston on the other side. Ray Winston, yeah. Singing, be Bapalula, she's Bapalula. my baby. And yeah. they start like trying to outdo each other singing it until That's they right. start like getting really angry at each other. And then they <laughs> face off. And then he's like, Kev, Jimmy, fucking hell, <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen you for ages. And these are two old friends that uh-huh. there's no reason why they can't be friends anymore. Other uh-huh. than one guy likes rock and roll and rides a motorbike and wears leather pants. And the other guy likes Scar and The Who mm-hmm. and wears fucking chinos and, and rides a scooter. Other, other uh-huh. than that, they're from the exact same place. They're mates, and, aren't they? And they're mates. And there's obviously uh-huh. the, one of the pivotal scenes is that one of the uh, mods gets beaten up by a bunch of rockers um, uh-huh. and they go and take it out on the first rocker. The mods take it out on the first rocker they see, which is well, yeah. Kev, uh, Ray played by Ray Winston. And Jimmy's there uh-huh. and... He realizes it's him after a while, but he doesn't stop uh-huh. it. He just kind of like goes, ah. He like kind of runs off. away, doesn't he? Yeah. I think because that kind of threatens his beliefs, doesn't it? Because he would have beaten up his mates. He would have to say, "Don't do that." He, he doesn't exactly, want to be yeah. shown up in front of his mates, which is uh-huh. it shows it for being like a really childish thing that he's doing. I think, yeah, and yeah, yeah, he does. does a really childish thing in running away and uh-huh. or driving away in it. And there's a, uh-huh. a bit where, because he's still hanging out with them when there's mm-hmm. no one else around. And there's that bit in the cafe when his mates come in and he decides, he makes his excuses and he has to go. Mm-hmm. And there's a bit where Winston says, like, doesn't matter to me, like, mod or rocker, like, we're all just people, aren't we? Uh-huh. And, and there's a great, I mean, it's a kind of pivotal line in the film, which yeah, makes a mockery of, uh, of the entire mod belief and ethos, I think. Where, Jimmy says, I don't want to be like everyone else. I want to be a mod. But obviously it's laid bare by the fact that all of the mods dress exactly uh-huh. the same, have to like yeah. the same stuff, can't step out of line. So in uh-huh. any, if anything, he's putting himself in more of a straitjacket than he thinks he is. Yeah, that, well, that's what true. He's slowly gets out of by the end of the film. In fact, uh-huh. he bursts out of it at the end of the film. The straitjacket is like, uh-huh. he takes loads of pills, he listens to loads of music, and he ends up on a train to the scene of his greatest mm-hmm. triumph and failure where he goes mm-hmm. back to Brighton and he basically bursts out of that straitjacket and, and according to the filmmakers, denounces the mod culture and moves on. Well, yeah, he I mean, that's, that's the other bit about that scene. He actually says, you know, if you, if you don't believe in something, you might as well throw yourself into the sea. Yeah. That's actually what he says, <laughs> which is obviously... You know, I mean, the, the, the ending of the film is ambiguous, isn't it? You, you don't know whether he has. I know the filmmakers have said that he, he, because he's at the end of the film, what he does is, well, I haven't even talked about Sting, have we? No, well, I'm talking about Ace Fit. <laughs> <laughs> so at the end, he, he steals Sting, Ace Face, who's like the face, isn't he? Yeah. I remember me and Tino going out one time and um, my dad going, 
what do you you think you're one of the faces? You think you're one of the faces? I remember you think that. You're yeah. one of the faces, and uh, like this from the, uh, this film, obviously, because Sting is the face, isn't he? He's the he's the main guy. He's the 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 one that Jimmy looks up to. Yeah. Um, and he finds out that the main guy, the main face, is just the bellboy. He's just got a menial job. He's just got the same job as everybody else, and it kind of destroys him, doesn't it? Because he, he, Jimmy believes that you know this this sort of mod culture that he's bought into will it's mean that he doesn't him. have to yeah. be like that. Well, he's he thrown his job away. Job. He's thrown yeah. his job away, and he's thrown his life away, or his like personal life mm-hmm. on the on the belief that he's this culture is going to save him. This I've, is going to save him. Sting. I don't have to be him. like that. Yeah, I don't Although have he to doesn't be realize like... at the time was that Sting's got a menial job. And he goes uh-huh. out on a weekend like everybody else, which is yeah. what happens when you're a teenager. You think, oh, fuck this. I don't need uh-huh. a fucking job. Like, mm-hmm. but, you know, you I'm do. not going to work for the man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. And Jimmy's bought into it. Then he's, life's unraveling. He's mm-hmm. gone to Brighton. This is, like I say, the scene of his crown and glory where he actually managed to have sex with Leslie Ash in a very kind of unsatisfactory bunk up in a alley. Um mm-hmm. And also the scene of his biggest downfall, which is he got arrested after that, sitting in a prison. As soon as he gets arrested, isn't it? That's that's it. That's his downfall after yeah. that, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, every, everything just starts to unravel. All his yeah, mates yeah. abandoned him. And I think we've all Nixie's felt girl. like that. Yeah, and, yeah. He's, and he's mate makes his girl. I think we've all felt like that at some point. It's like, mm-hmm. you're like, well, yeah, definitely, I, yeah. I thought you guys were my mates. Like, what are you doing yeah. over there? Whether that's you're chatting up a last when you're a teenager and somebody else ends up getting off with or whatever or or, mm-hmm. or or something else, you know? Like, you, I think we've all felt like that, but Definitely, nobody's yeah. gone in as hard as Jimmy has. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, so yeah, that's the thing. Sting working as a bellboy. Sting who doesn't say a single word in the film. He says a couple of different says, things, doesn't, one, he? doesn't he? Yeah. He gives him a do, you know how, do you know how I was, re- like, like I say, I was watching that thing and... Uh, the only reason that Sting got the part is he was cleaning um, the casting director's house. Yeah. So this was before like the police were big and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, moved down to London. He was like a, a teacher. Yeah. And uh, that's the only reason. He, he was a striking kind of guy. Not an actor or anything. They just got him in for the way he looked. Yeah. And then, but by the time the film came out, the police were big, which probably yeah, helped the film. Get, and- yeah, yeah, definitely. It says that six months before they were due to shoot, because all the money for this film came from the record company. Yeah. Six months before they were due to shoot, Keith Moon died. Okay. So they sorry. thought that the film was off. Yeah. They thought that you know that's it basically. Um. But the the so the the they got the money for it anyway, and they ran with it and stuff like that. Um. So yeah, I mean, it didn't derail the film or anything like that. Obviously, a tragedy. Especially when you think about you know how he died and that he he was trying to stop drinking, wasn't he? Overdosed on the pills that yeah, it it can happen. You know, it's a tough one for people who have those kind of addictions. You try and stop one thing and take too much of the other thing, or you try, you know, you Uh if you're an alcoholic and you stop drinking altogether, like Amy Winehouse is the same. Yeah, yeah. Um, So yeah, it's tragic, Uh, and I think like what I should say is like we've kind I've kind of poo pooed the the who a little bit, but as much as I don't love all of the songs on the album that inspired this story. I've I've got to give loads of credit to Pete Townsend for the fact that essentially this story comes from him, and that oh, he, he comes from it his and, brain. And, and yeah, yeah, you know, amazing. 
Like, I mm-hmm. love this film, and I love it more than I thought I did. Um, and I do love the real me. I think that's like, you know, actually, my favorite uh-huh. song is the first one by the sea. Uh, uh-huh. It's just the sea washing up and there's a yeah. little bit of chatter and stuff like that. And then it and goes into, you know, the real me starts. Uh-huh. And that's a uh-huh. huge, he's on his bike in the film. It's a huge kickoff to the film. And I love 515. Yeah. I don't like all the yeah, lyrics. Yeah, yeah, I like that one as well. Uh-huh. I don't like I girls like of the 15 sexually knowing. <laughs> I do not like that. Um, <laughs> um, and, I, and I think there are some great moments in some of the songs, but mm-hmm. I'm not sure about all of them. I think what's really cool is in the soundtrack of their film, they've got one of the Who's songs from when they were the high numbers before they were the Who, Zoot Suit. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've got like one of the real mods, like a real R&B yeah. kind of band. I like that. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, like look, we're not going into great detail about the film. We're kind of just talking about what it's about and stuff like that. And and yeah. you know that mods and Who fans and all of this stuff have got strong feelings about all of this stuff. And we're you know we're not pretending to be the final word on it or even no, no, into it as much not. as these people. But like I, mm-hmm. I thought the film on second watch was just an amazing an example of what british filmmaking can do and it taps into something that you don't really get it's unique to british filmmaking i think that feeling mm-hmm. obviously the music and the uh the style and all of that kind of stuff and the setting of course is very british mm-hmm. there's only one thing i thought afterwards i really well. want a fucking fry up from a cafe <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, not that egg that he ate, he ate in that cafe. It looked disgusting. There you go, it looked absolutely. Good. But how many breakfasts do they have in cafes? It's amazing. I know it is. I mean, I, I did actually do. I didn't. I wasn't. I tried to get a scooter when I was a, a, Me too. a working man, but my parents said no. You're not getting one. Yeah. Because obviously they thought I would I would kill myself and stuff like that. I did do most of the other things like the four day binges and the the rest of it, and it was great. Yeah, I think it reminded me of all that kind of stuff, and I loved that. It was really really good. Um, but we're, we're talking about the end there, which we missed out a little bit. So at, at the end, the kind he, he's kind of dry. His next thing is. Uh, sort of you know bike yeah. or whatever and he's, so, he's so let's say he's on the been, pier wait he, hold, hold on been, well let's say he's been arrested hold on, hold on, hold on. he's been arrested yeah he goes back home he's had to pay a big fine he gets back home and he realizes steph's gone off with his best mate he gets sacked from his job out. his mom and dad kick him out the job doesn't he his mom and dad kick him out and he basically spends what little money he's got on more pills and he thinks well i'm going back to brighton because the only person I feel a connection with now is Sting's ace face. And yeah. that was where place. things were good. Or oh, the place. He's got a feel yeah. about the place. Connection with that. Yeah. So he goes back. He's getting up rapidly, like, kind of delusional off his face on the train down. He, you know, his bike gets smashed up, which is symbolic and all of that kind of stuff. He throws his uh-huh. bag with all his gear out the window. He's, like, <laughs> bit by bit shedding bits of his mod and his gang culture. The bike's uh-huh. the first out the way. His bag of all his clothes is after that. Then he gets to Brighton, goes to see Mr. Ace Face, and he's a bellboy. So he uh-huh. nicks his scooter. Yeah. 
And then what happens? It's scooter. And then what he does is he drives to the coast and he's, he's driving perilously close to the cliffs as well, isn't he? It's very close to the yeah, cliffs. Yeah, and apparently he got trolled off for being too close. That was the first <laughs> thing yeah, the yeah, film. Right. Apparently that was like the first thing the Yeah, film. that was the first scene, wasn't and it? someone was like, look, you, if you fall off, you'll be replaced <laughs> and this is, your, this is your first film, so fucking get it, get it together. Yeah. So he's, and then you can see the pain in his face and, you know, you don't know whether he's thinking, I'm going to kill myself or I'm just going to shed me, me sort of, me beliefs of this lifestyle and I'm going to conform to society. And he kind of drives off, doesn't he? But the only thing that you see going off the cliff is the bike. Mm-hmm. So it's left a little bit sort of ambiguous as to whether he's actually gone off as well. Well, I think you would and see think- him. If he was going off, yeah, but I, I think the first time I watched it as a fifteen-year-old, I thought that he, yeah, he's killed himself. Yeah, I there. thought that as well. I, but I, I don't know. Did you? Yeah, you don't. I didn't think that. Now I, no, I think no he's. Uh, I thought he's suddenly all of that sea air and the driving mm-hmm. around has cleared his head, and he thought, "Fuck this! Why on earth <laughs> am I ruining my life? Because of a bunch of mates that aren't really mates, a belief uh-huh. in something." a system that means nothing. Everything's let us down. Fuck it. This is the last yeah. thing. I, I can get rid of this and I can start anew. And the only, the only thing that I, I, I would disagree with, if he is coming down off speed, it's the worst come down you've ever had in your life. You do want head. to die. <laughs> no, you, do, you, you, you just want to die. You would have come a bad head. Speed. That is for sure. A, it's not just a bad head. You, you, you might have had sleep. some lookers head with him. <laughs> well, you don't want to look as all you want to do is sleep in it, can it? It's awful. It is like you know, at the, 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 the only time I've thought, Oh, I'm gonna to top myself here, it's coming man. down off speed. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it is like the worst. We've had worse times than speed, fucking hell. Yeah, no, I, the, the come down from speed's the worst. It's the worst, <laughs> honestly. It's completely the worst. So, yeah, so you don't know, you don't know if he. It, it is ambiguous. No, well, I, I it's think... It's up to you, isn't it? It's up to you what he does. No, well, well in my opinion, the first mm-hmm. scene of the film is what happens at the end. The first scene of the film is what happens at the end? The first shot of the film is him with the sun's coming up, walking away from mm-hmm. the, the cliffs at Beachy Head. Yeah. And he's walking... Yeah, that's fair he's enough. He's got, yeah. got his... Like, you know, it's him walking away from the cliffs. Yeah. Silhouetted. I think that's what actually is the end of the film. Like what comes yeah, after the, the bike's gone off. That's my, I mean, that, even the, even Frank Rudderman that have said that he ha- he hasn't that's killed just, himself. That's just my interpretation. Have, have you heard about the planned sequel that's supposed to be coming out this year? Well, it's meant to be out this loosely, year, isn't it? Loosely based on it, isn't I it? I have to say, I am not relishing the prospect of it. <laughs> <laughs> it looks pretty low budget. Yeah. Like, let's try to capitalize see. on the on the. Let's you know, see. The, well, I don't know. The only other thing I've got with it, did you in the credits? Did you um, did you see a surname that might have spiked your interest a little bit? What in the original one? Yeah, one of the producers, I think. Ah, uh, you know a what guy I did called Kerbishly. Yeah, Bill Kerbishly. So Alan <laughs> Kerbishly's in it, right? That's right. Yes, that's what I was getting on to. There's a, there's a uh, in the riot scene in Brighton in the cafe. There's a guy that gets the uh, table and chucks the table out the window, 
and that's Alan Kerbishley, former <laughs> Charlton manager. Yeah, I didn't know that his dad was a film producer or that he was in that. Mm-hmm. Um, met Alan Kerbishley once, mm-hmm. briefly, but uh, whatever. Um, he, like, I whatever. have to say, that, um, that scene, that riot 20-minute scene or whatever it is, what a it's rush brilliant. that is, man. Like, that it's is class. incredible, isn't it? Apparently, Frank Rodham told it because when they were setting up the shot, they did it. And a couple of the coppers say, well, I think we're real coppers as yeah, well. Yeah, apparently they got messing up. Yeah, they were messing up the, the, the shot. They were like putting the, the helmets on the wrong way and fighting about or whatever. So Frank Radham says to the mods, because it had loads just of mods who were extras, go for them. just go and give them a kick. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what they did. Yeah, it got real. Like apparently, like, and then there was people like just walking past that got involved, like, because they saw it all happening. Like, yeah. great. Well, honestly, Brilliant. I think great. Like, uh, I thought. I really, really enjoyed the film and I really enjoyed the performances and I think another fucking big tick for Frank Rodham and a big yep. influence on stuff that's come since. Mm-hmm. Shane Meadows films, for example, I would say are like Shane Meadows has got to be massively influenced by this. The youth yep. culture and the way the kids and the people talk to each other in his films, oh, I think. Definitely, I, uh, you're right with that for sure, the, I think. And the kind of no doubt about that. But, yeah, I'm Maybe you don't think about it when you watch it. No, no, yeah, I mean, uh, to be honest, I hadn't, but now that you mention it, I massively. Like, this is England. I mean, come on. It's this. this. (laughs) I mean, I love Shane Meadows. I absolutely love him. Yeah, Uh, I love all his films. But yeah, I think like when you watch this now, you think he obviously watched that and a few times. Of course. I I mean, that's how that's what filmmaking and music, it's all influenced, isn't it? You know, it's all nobody just fucking springs up with some idea out of nowhere. No, you either subvert it, from somewhere. You either subvert it or you copy it. Mm-hmm. You know, you take something and influenced by it and try and do it in a new way. Like, when was the mm-hmm. last time somebody invented anything new, really? I mean, obviously, <laughs> well, that's it, yeah. But you know, mm-hmm. so anyway, Quadrophenia, yeah, right. four, four out of five cliffies for me. Oh, <laughs> only four. Four and a half. I'd give, I'd give it five. Yeah, actually, five, I don't, I I'll give it five. Fuck it, I'll give it five cliffies. Yeah, I think it deserves it. I think it. Does. I didn't, I didn't not enjoy any. Well, actually, I'm going to give it four and a half because I don't like some of the stuff. <laughs> well, that's fair enough then. But, uh, but yeah, we loved it anyway, and it's easy to find. That's what we'll say, won't we? On yeah, yeah, you can, you can if you look for it streaming, you can find it. Um, yeah, but, rather easily. Yeah, but you know. Buy it, help people out. Yeah. Um, yeah, you should buy it. You should definitely buy it. Have it in your own collection. Don't just stream mm-hmm. things, own things. Yeah. And if Frank Rodden <laughs> wants to make another film, me and you, Cliff, quite happy to do it, aren't Yeah, yeah. We'll <laughs> We'd be fucking extras. What's happening next? <laughs> Are we done? Or is there a quiz? There's a quiz, and then we're going to talk about the other thing, aren't we? At the end. Or do you oh, just yeah, yeah. No, no, let's do, let's, well, let's do the quiz. All right, then let's do the quiz. We're, we're going to uh, go up market with this particular quiz. Okay, Cliff, it's it's very up market actually. It's a uh, it's about um, old and forgotten swear words or phrases. <laughs> I thought it might be themed, but okay. <laughs> no, it's, there's no theme. There's no theme, or rhyme or reason to it at all. Right. <laughs> so, first one, Mister Cliff. Yep. What is a mutton shunter? 
<laughs> These are old, old. What's it meant to be? And... Like, what, 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 what am I trying to do? What am I trying? That's the question. What is a mutton shunter? There is a link or a thing that we've done previously with a shunting. Okay. Isn't it? Um, Got nothing I, to do with that. Oh, okay then. I think it is a machine that um, removes all the meat from a carcass of a, of a dead sheep. Right, that's very interesting. It's a policeman. <laughs> <laughs> really? That's what, yeah, that's what a mutton shunter is. These are all from sort of Victorian times and stuff like that, forgotten. Phrases and swear words. That's a good one, that, isn't it? You mutton shunter. You mutton shunter. I feel like they could say that in Quadrophenia as well. They could do. Um, What do you think, Cliff, is a beard splitter? (laughs) (laughs) I think it's a a, a particularly strong uh, hockle. Uh, a, a, a particularly strong hockle where a, a lot of phlegm comes out. It's, it's a hockle. He's off uh, that David Bowie film, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, a Victorian word for a penis. Oh, is it? That's that's a beard split. What the fuck? <laughs> Whose beard is splitting? Well, obviously there was no um, trimming of the. Nether regions in Victorian times. Do you trim the nether regions, bro? Yes. Okay. All the time. All I've, the time. I have, all, yeah, the, all, all the constantly. time. <laughs> like, I'm constantly whenever I get trimming. a chance. <laughs> yeah, whenever I get a chance. I have uh, noticed one or two grazed. Oh, the grazed down there. Oh, yeah. Have you not got any of them? I think um, I think on the balls, on, uh-huh. the actu- on the actual balls. On the balls. All bright white. But bright rest, white. Yeah, so bright white. <laughs> like, it's like they've been shocked by something. Uh, <laughs> what of the scene, Cliff? What of the scene? <laughs> Nothing bad. Goodness now. to us. Nothing bad. <laughs> You've been teabagging, haven't you, Cliff? <laughs> uh, okay, well, that's good. What? What's next? Yeah. Uh, what would you be doing if you were smothering the parrot? Now, we've done this, Cliff. <laughs> we've done it together. Oh, have we? Okay. Yeah. Is it masturbating each other's mouths? <laughs> <laughs> it most certainly is not, because we definitely haven't done that yet. <laughs> it's drinking absinthe neat. That's what it is. Oh, we have done that. It led to some terrible discrepancies. <laughs> It, it led to the masturbation in the mouth, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do you think is a uh, rantalian? Another Victorian word. Rantalian. Mm-hmm. I like it. Oh, you rantalian. Yeah. Um, is it someone who smokes? In a no-smoking area. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, because there are plenty of those in Victorian times. <laughs> you cannot smoke here in this fucking opium den. <laughs> it's uh, It means uh, one whose scrotum is longer than his penis. Why would you? Well, I mean, that's all of us in 40, isn't it? <laughs> well, that's what we talked about that before, haven't we? <laughs> we definitely have. 
What would you be doing, Cliff, if you were to board a land, Carrick? <laughs> Is it masturbating in your mouth? <laughs> <laughs> You've gone very dirty, haven't you? Sorry. It's, it's quite simply having sex. You could have you could have also had a night uh, physic <laughs> or to give someone a green gown. Oh, now I love that term. <laughs> <laughs> I shall give thou a green gown tonight, milady. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. I give you the green. I'll give you the green ground gown, mind. Sure. What is a threat? I'm not threatening. Yes, a threat. <laughs> well, you're not. Are you sure? Are you sure you're not going to threaten anybody? Right, so that's the end, isn't it? But we've got okay, how many did I get right out of that? <laughs> I didn't know. I can't remember now. I'm pretty none. sure I got zero right out of that yeah, you quiz. Got, you got you got none. Because right you're always you. trying to trip us up. So what we've decided to do anyway at the end is is to play a song, haven't we, Cliff? Yeah, well, you've decided to play Brian Epstein, haven't you? You want to do uh, you want to give belief to the unsigned bands of the uh, of the world? Not oh, well, just there's the, nothing not wrong just with that, is there? Side. No, I think yeah. it's, it's a good idea. So you messaged me with a, what I at first thought was a bit of a mad idea, but I quite I, I like it, and it ties in with the stuff that we talk about and that we're talking about in general most of the time. Um, so basically, what we've decided is that. Um, you know, we only have a few thousand followers and, you know, we get a, a, a few hundred listens to the to each episode and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, we love music. We uh-huh. we know what it takes for people to put a band together and, and you know, yeah. fucking like put all that effort and passion and stuff into it. So you mm-hmm. came up with the idea of, um, you know, let, putting songs on yeah. the, each episode. Yeah, I think it's... It's hard, isn't it? It's hard for, for bands, isn't it? It's, it's yeah, hard to get the music heard. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, they put they put so much effort and love into making songs and and things. And I think you know, it should be a little bit easier to get that that songs heard. So what we're going to do is is play at the end of uh, every episode a song by an unsigned band. Yeah. Um, that that I've sort of contacted with through Twitter and stuff like that. And the one that we're going to play uh, at the end of this is uh, a band by the name of The Goods Gone, which is a who song. Yeah, which I don't think I've heard. <laughs> I listen to it, actually. I listen to it, actually. It's, it's good. It's decent. If you have a song or you're a band or whatever, you know somebody who's in a band, whatever, let's just get the song played. Mm-hmm. We're not going to get anybody signed, probably, but we'll get more people listening to it. And who knows, might end up being something better. I might get somewhere. Um, and if you yeah. do want to, obviously you can follow us on at F Circus Pod on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook at Brett and Cliff's Fleet Circus Podcast. Um, and you can email us. I'll set up an email address for this because I don't want any of my personal account, obviously, because you might be all <laughs> nuts. Oh, Flea Circus Pod at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. Anybody who wants to send us a song, uh, Brett will pick that up because it's his thing and uh, I'll listen to them and we'll play them and this is This is the goods God Come on
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.